Hello, Devil May Cry fans. Welcome to Video Gameography Season 6, Episode 6. We have made it to the finale of the Devil May Cry series. Uh, it is weird because it's just me now, as you know, if you listen to the Devil May Cry 4 episode, and I guess the Devil May Cry 3 episode, but you know, despite all the weird bumps in the road along the way, we finally made it to the conclusion. My name is Marcus Stewart. This is Game Informer's number one video game history podcast where we laugh and we learn, and we are tackling Devil May Cry 5 today, and I have a very special guest, uh, Ty Galiz Rowe, editor-in-chief at Uppercut and deputy editor at Gaming Magazine, who you may remember we had on the GI show a few months back. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up? I'm good. How are you, Marcus? I'm doing well. It's nice here on this lovely uh, Wednesday as I'm recording. Uh, you know, it's hot outside, as I think I've heard most of the earth is at the moment. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and hopefully this podcast is as fire as uh, our general existence tends to these days. But yeah, thank you for coming on. And I guess first and foremost, uh, since we're talking about the latest Devil May Cry game, I want to ask you. What is your history with Devil May Cry 5? What do you think of this game? You know, just any general thoughts about where it stands on the, the pantheon of DMC for you. So, um, I... D DMC 5 is the only one that I've ever actually played myself. Um, I had a friend growing up who was super into them, so I kind of, like, absorbed them through osmosis via him. Um, and then when Devil May Cry 5 came out, I was like, well... Why not? It looks like, you know, stupid. Like, why not give it a try? <laughs> um, and it was fun, and I liked it. And I was like, oh yeah, this is dumb. I'm into it. It's like very... I like a character action game, and it's very much that. So, yeah, I thought it was fun. Okay. But I don't have a lot of uh, deep ties to, like, the lore or the, the history of the games. Right, right. What is a... Because you said you like character action games. What... Did you ever consider playing the series before, or what was it about? Like, you know, you mentioned seeing how uh, just, like, utterly stupid that this game is. Uh, what put you off on the, from playing the other one? Um, it seemed a little too edgelordy for me, honestly, in times. Like, there was a little bit of, like, the whole, like, Dante and Virgil D Demon Slayer brother fighting stuff that I was like, this is a lot. I don't know about... I don't know about all that. Like... I think I might be okay. Um, and I think I stand by that. I think I like that DMC5 like has so many characters and it's not just like Dante doing whatever it is he does, being a weird old man. <laughs> yeah, I guess he he is older in this game. I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but it's probably the oldest he's Yeah, he's Silver the Fox then a little. He's got the he's got the white grizzled beard and the you know, he's at the he might be at the stage of like current day Brad Pitt. Yeah, he's, he has that kind of energy for sure. Yeah, like, probably a little bit worse for wear on account of the whole like demons thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, we don't know how many demons Brad Pitt has killed. So that's true. We don't. That's <laughs> how he uh, retains his uh, immaculate youth, it seems. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, has this has playing this game since it seemed like you enjoyed it? Has it inspired you to go back now that you've seen it? No, um, I think 
I'm I'm a Kingdom Hearts person, so I'm kind of wary of like getting into other franchises that <laughs> are like very fraught in how they're like released and like how their stories and stuff have been done and like the remakes and stuff. And I just like don't I don't know the whole what is it like? There was that one that they did that was like a redo or like a reset. Uh... Yeah, the Ninja Theory game, the yeah. DMC, that was the, the the kind of westernized reboot. Yeah, was, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I'm good. I get okay. it. I get the gist. Okay, if it makes you feel better as a fan of both Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry is significantly easier to keep up with. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But yeah, I mean, maybe eventually. But I don't know. Those games are like kind of like i don't know i feel like they're gonna i feel like they are they have the potential to show their age a little bit more too than i maybe am willing to deal with okay. in the year of our lord 2022 <laughs> <laughs> uh, the greatest year as, as we've seen that uh, was even how i felt like with the mass effect legendary edition like playing mass effect one again i was like you know this is the best version of this game i don't think you need to play it now I don't... <laughs> Some things are are from their time, and that's fine. Fair. Uh, you know, if you ever do go back, just don't play that second game. And real quick, I meant to ask you this in the beginning, but can you, uh, for those that are, aren't familiar, do you want to talk about uh, Uppercut real quick and what it is uh, you guys oh, do? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so Uppercut is like, uh, it's a kind of more like instead of news and kind of the faster paced, bigger outlets, we kind of focus more on games criticism and like more i don't know like kind of silly ideas or like critical ideas stuff like that um and currently we host two freelance writers a month at a rate of 125 dollars uh to write for us which is cool and then we also just you know have our own in-house stuff that comes up and yeah we're just looking to keep the space of what games media is wider and get more people in the door yeah absolutely nothing wrong with that love it and yeah like i mentioned before you were on the game informer show a few months ago so welcome back thanks for coming on yeah and, thanks for having me and yeah uh don't make cry five for me uh like i am a dmc fan and have been since the beginning uh and dmc5 was you know a a blessing because it was the first uh dmc game uh if you're not counting the ninja theory game uh the first entry in the classic series for about a decade because dmc4 was 2008 uh and this game came out 2019 so it was a long wait and i remember yeah. just like the reveal at e3 2018 which we'll talk about uh just you know like everyone else just like oh my god i'm gonna wave my oversized sword in celebration they they did it and i like the ninja theory game like i know some people blasted it before it came out because of how different it was like we talked it you know in our podcast episode about it i think that game is actually phenomenal uh so there was a part of me that was like i kind of wanted a sequel to that game but it had been long enough from the classic stuff it's, yeah let's go see what og dante and nero and that that the, those goofballs are up to um but i adore this game i replayed some of it for this podcast and it reminded me of how beautiful it is just graphically you know that that re engine which might be like it's up there for one of the best engines i think in games right now <laughs> like it is a really yeah. 
It's it's pretty good. It's like surprisingly good. I feel like. Have you noticed the? I don't know if you had this where I've, I've realized I can tell an RE engine game without even seeing the title now because there's something about the way hair looks in that in those games mm. where it's like it's not bad. It's just like bouncy in a way that like yeah. only RE engine games are. Where I'm like, this is a Capcom thing, isn't it? And I don't need to see the yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a real physics to the hair in that engine for sure. Yeah, like I want a WWE game in the engine so I can see like, so, well, I guess we can't do Triple H now. He used to be the benchmark for video game hair. So it'd have to be like Roman Reigns, but I want to see some long haired wrestler in the RE. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like just seeing them, you know, make it with that engine after the success of uh, RE7 was really awesome. And yeah, that game, like DMC5 uh, was a return to form. I guess not that four was bad, but just kind of like more validation that these they can still make this style of game, even though we don't really get that many of them anymore. Uh, it seems like Platinum has kind of been the flag bearer for stylus actions in the last decade. Uh, so yeah, and most of that has been us sitting on our hands waiting for Bayo three. So right, and now we only have to sit till October. <laughs> so. I won't believe it till it's in my goddamn hands. <laughs> I'm kind of there with you. I'm praying that that, you know, it's it's gotta stick right <laughs> at this point, right? You would think. You would think. But uh, who knows? Be a nice Halloween treat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So uh, first and foremost, let's take a trip back, cast our minds to 2019 when this game launched. Uh, some of the other big games that came out this year. Uh, this was a good year for games actually and maybe it doesn't get talked about enough maybe because it wasn't that long ago but we got uh the resident evil 2 remake so capcom had a pretty much a big one-two punch and this kind of continued the streak of kind of excellence that they're kind of still on now um but we got uh sakura shadows die twice disco elysium control pokemon sword and shield mortal kombat 11 uh the Outer Worlds and Outer Wilds, as we spent that entire year getting the two mixed up. <laughs> and uh, Gears 5, among others. So I, 2019 was a very strong year. Ty, do you remember what your game of the year was in 2019? God, uh... I don't remember. I know that, like, somewhere in my brain, I know, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. 2019 feels like 100 years ago. <laughs> It was the last year of normality before the pandemic, so it may as well be uh, 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, I don't even, it was probably some indie shit, because it's usually indie shit, but I really don't remember. Yeah, I remember mine was Resident Evil 2, which shocked me, because I knew that, I had a feeling that game would be good, but I didn't realize it I thought it was. Uh, Did Hades come out in 2019? It was playable in early access, but it was 2020 when it, yeah, 2020 when it launched. So, Man. I mean, I, I guess you could technically still say Hades because you could play quite a bit of it in 2019. <laughs> I don't think I had played it yet, so I won't cheat because, yeah, but I don't even know if Hades is my came out. I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> There's been so many games. If only we could go back to a simpler time. <laughs> uh, and in terms of uh, Hollywood... Some of the big movies that came out in 2019, the best picture winner of that year was Parasite. One of my mm. personal favorite movies of the last few years. Uh, we also got, 
good. You should watch people. You should watch Parasite and see Parasite. Um, we also got Avengers Endgame, probably the biggest film of the year. And Captain Marvel, as well as Spider-Man Far From Home. We got John Wick Chapter 3, Knives Out, Joker, Toy Story 4, uh, Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, which I believe everybody really, really liked from what I understand. And uh, po- uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. A yeah, lot that- of movies. Oh, yeah. 29th, again, before <laughs> society collapsed and then we didn't get movies for a while. <laughs> this is the last batch or some of the last batch for a while, but a strong year, you know. And in terms of some of the big news stories, at least related to games in 2019, uh, this the year that Reggie fils retired and Doug Bowser took over his position as the president of Nintendo America. Which feels increasingly relevant because Reggie fils has been out there just being on everyone's podcast, including ours, just making his book tour. He is, you know, he's, he's, he's opening, he's been opening the vault of his time yeah. <laughs> at Nintendo in America in a way that's been very entertaining and fascinating uh, this year. Uh, this was also the year that Bungie terminated its publishing deal with Activision, getting out from under them, and, but holding on to the Destiny IP to pretty much go fully independent again. Uh, Apple Arcade launched this year. Uh, did you play Apple Arcade? I don't have. I have a current Apple Arcade subscription. Okay. I didn't play it at the time, but like this past year, I've been. I like the grindstone. Um, there's all kinds of. There's like lots of little fun stuff on there. You're just like looking for a little do to do game. Yeah, I asked because I remember when it launched. It seemed like everyone in games media was like you know talking about it nonstop for like the first month with like grindstone and some of those early games and then it felt like mm-hmm. after that it just kind of fell off and i would forget i i don't have an iphone so i never got to be yeah in that i have circle, an ipad but... and so it's nice to just like boop around on there there's some interesting stuff on there too there's like a lot of indies that like get a shot on there which is interesting for sure i want to play uh sakaguchi's new game the the, the rp that the name just escaped from but is like an Apple Arcade exclusive. Fanta- oh, yeah. Fantasia? Not Fantasia. <laughs> Phantasm? Fantasian like or something like that? I think you're right. Yeah, like that's the one where I was like very much looking jealously like I would like to see what it's like, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> uh, also this year, X-Qua- or Xbox excuse me, acquired Double Fine, which leads to them publishing Psychonauts 2 a couple years later. Uh, this is also the year that Telltale Games returned from the dead after LCG Entertainment acquired their remaining assets and basically kind of relaunched the company in a THQ Nordic fashion. And also, I forgot this was the year too, I guess, because uh, we've been dealing with a lot of Blizzard nonsense over the last year. Uh, this was the year where the uh, Hong Kong controversy happened with the Blitzchung, right. the Hearthstone player that, you know, got into some trouble with the publisher for supporting the Hong Kong protests that were going on at the time and stretched into 2020 and Blizzard was like, no, we can't do that. And that was, it feels weird that that seems tame compared to what has come out over the last year. (laughs) But, you know, this was almost like a weird, like prelude to the other things that they would get in trouble for beginning like 2021. So yeah, been a rough time over there for Blizzard to say the least. A lot of it, self-inflicted of course uh, yeah so, to say the least but uh yeah that's uh 2019 and the major news stories 
and with that let's get into the uh the making of devil may cry 5 so this game started development at least officially from what i could see around 2014 of course like i said dmc4 was 2008 and in between then we got ninja theories dmc game which launched in 2013 and was reviewed reviewed well but was a bit of a sales disappointment so it kind of put into question the future of the series uh not even just a sequel to that game but just future devil may cry games and this is also a time like we mentioned before where we weren't really getting as many single player stylish action games as the industry started to move more and more towards either live service stuff or just you know open world games or just gigantic things that are meant to you know we got we started getting more and more of those forever games right so it was like is there still a place for single player games like this and uh Hidetaki Atsuno the longtime director of Devil May Cry uh wanted to prove that the genre could still exist in a modern sense and there's like different stories about how Devil May Cry got started because uh Ruben, Ruben Langdon, who was the longtime voice actor and performer for Dante, uh, was saying that apparently Itsuna was threatening to leave the studio after uh, Dragon's Dogma. He directed that because he uh, just wanted to work on something else. And Capcom apparently offered him any project he wanted to stay on. And he was like, I want to do a, dev- a new Devil May Cry. Um, but also Itsuna has gone on interviews saying that he wanted to do Devil May Cry pretty much, or I planned to immediately after releasing 4, and that the team that did the special edition Devil May Cry 4, which didn't come out for years, <laughs> it was like 2015 I believe when that game came out, uh, were itching to do a brand new Devil May Cry. And so it sounds like the full team was formed in 2015. And uh, it started out with folks that had worked on some that worked on MC. Of course, folks that had worked on four, and then eventually, when Resident Evil Seven launched, uh, a lot of that team moved over to the Devil May Cry Five team and brought the expertise of using the RE engine with that. And the reason that uh, the game even uses the RE engine in the first place is that Itsuno wanted the game to have a more photorealistic look to it. If you look at all the other Devil May Cries, even Devil May Cry Four, which is probably like the first like modern devil may cry game just graphically it's still like those games still look like anime ish you know action games and you know dmc5 pretty much like the you know realism off the charts and you know he wanted to do that just because he thought that that would appeal to a new player base uh and that's kind of what he was juggling with this game it's like okay like obviously i need devil may cry 5 to to series veterans, especially people that really like DMC4. So that maintaining the skill ceiling in terms of the difficulty and the combos. But he was also inspired by Monster Hunter World and specifically of how that series, which has always been pretty niche, managed to bring in a whole bunch of newcomers to it. So looking at Devil May Cry 5, it's like, okay, how do I keep that skill ceiling while also making the barrier for entry lower for newcomer? Uh, do you? Are you a fan of hard games, Ty? Like a DMC or, or really anything? No, well, usually no. 
I think the weird like exception right is like I'm the biggest Bayonetta stand in the world. I love Bayonetta and I do love right. character action games. And so like I know they have the scores or whatever, and I usually don't care. Um, okay. I usually am just like yeah, I'm just doing my thing, whatever. Um, I think Devil May Cry makes it feel a little bit more important though um, than like Bayonetta does, hmm. but. Yeah, I think I'm okay with, like, this kind of hard. I'm definitely, like, I was not much of a Souls person until, like, Elden Ring. Right. This was, like, within my my doable category. <laughs> it's weird, cause, like, when you compare a Souls, like, or just a soul style of difficulty versus a Devil May Cry, and maybe I throw probably the Team Ninja, Ninja Gaiden games, the 3D ones in there, too, of, like, like trying to separate what the difference is and it's like yeah they're both really hard games but i guess maybe some of it is just like because they both rely on execution right at the end of the day like you yeah. need to execute to a high level to get passes but i think at least maybe the character action stuff it's you can still get through those games if you're just mashing the same combo over and over and maybe just not getting hit you know it's more about like okay if i can evade i can kill anything and I don't necessarily need to get super elaborate with my combos, even though the game facilitates that and encourages it. Whereas it feels like the Souls game, because you don't have a ton to work with anyway. Uh, it's, I don't know, I guess it's an area, it's more about like, you know, can I make my numbers go higher as a character? Yeah, you know, I think it's I also because you don't get punished in the same way, right? Like, there's a lot of like, I feel like the Souls game makes you kind of precious about your progress. Whereas like these kind of games is like, yeah, go fight that man again. Go punch him in the face again with your billions of punches. Who cares? You didn't lose anything except your pride, so go fucking get it. You yeah. Know, like, whereas like, the other one is like, oh man, oh geez, I lost my souls, and oh, I'm gonna have to go all the way back through that dungeon. And it's like, these games don't care about that. They just want you to murder that man. Yeah, and there's also a coolness factor to character action games where, like, mm -hmm. the better you do, you just feel like a badass because everything you're doing looks super cool. Whereas, like, even if you're, like, the best Souls player, it's like, you're not, you don't look cool in the same way. It kind of feels no. like even then you still got by by the skin of your teeth and you're more just like, Yeah, Man. I mean, you're supposed to be desperate in those yeah. worlds. And, like, <laughs> yeah, and, the, and Devil May Cry and the, like, you are cool as hell and everybody is supposed to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even if it's just, like, a C on the screen, you're like, well, I feel cool, so whatever. I mean, you're still cooler than, like, the, the Joe Schmo who's not doing it. Exactly. Like, I can't juggle enemies with my guns in Elden Ring. Exactly. Unless there's a zone I don't know about that lets you do that. But, yeah, so <laughs> that was always, that was kind of the balance that Itsuna wanted to strike. So, apparently from the very beginning, he wanted this game to have three distinct playable characters. But the idea being that he knows that Devil May Cry fans, or hardcore fans especially, love to replay these games over and over. So he thought it would add to the replay value of like, okay, if you have three different characters that you have to master, that makes the, the replay feel a little less monotonous uh, because they're so different from each other. So Nero, who was the main character in 4, returns in the starring role here. Dante, Mr. Punch. Mr. Punch, a.k.a. the... the, the the version of him in this game that looks remarkably like Mike Mahardy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, as well as Dante, of course, coming back. 
Uh, more pl- playable in this game than he was. Well, actually, he was like playable in half of Devil May Cry 4. So I guess the same amount. I was going to say, like, I don't know if he's in this game more or less than he was in 4, but he's still a huge role. And then a newcomer named V, who is the mysterious cane-wielding guy that looks remarkably like Adam Driver, which apparently was a coincidence. <laughs> uh, he's a goth gay for sure. He's yeah, got, he's got eyeliners. He's got a black leather vest with his titties out. He's got a <laughs> cane. Is the cane is the cane important to that look? Like, I think it have, is. Even if I you don't actually need it, it is a mobility it. device. But I think the look of like you could have any kind of cane, and this man has the most Edgar Allan Poe ass looking cane because it is a part of his Chris Angel mind freak shit. That's true. He also like has a poetry book that he constantly reads from in quotes as he's like it's really annoying <laughs> yeah did you like oh let me ask who was your favorite character in five to, to play as playable guys definitely nero um okay. i liked having the multiple this to use in any game that lets you have like your the fist is your weapon and you get to like switch it out i'm very here for that i like hand-to-hand combat and not a lot of games let you do it okay it's funny you bring that up because that was a uh a point of concern for some fans the idea of the devil breaker so as i mentioned this game you know nero and devil may cry 4 he had his demon arm the devil bringer and the mechanic with that was that it could uh stretch out and pretty much pull pl- uh, enemies towards you and help close the gap with that which was really fun Whereas in this game, narratively, he gets his arm or gets that arm sliced off by a mysterious hooded man we'll talk about later. Uh, so Nico, who is one of the new characters, kind of his uh, queen, the queen Nico. <laughs> you like Nico's pretty cool. I, I like. love Nico. I think she's so funny. She reminds me of a better version of sid from final fantasy 15 that's exactly what she is because she's <laughs> yeah. like the hot mechanic and you're supposed to be like ooh, like nico with her with her crop top and her and her booty shorts and then she's just like this hard-ass southern woman who's like would probably eat you for breakfast and yeah. it's great it's perfect and she's always just like telling nero that he's fucking stupid because he is i like their relationship like they're it's like you, you could tell they've been friends for a while because they spend the whole game pretty much just like bagging on each other. I like one of my favorite moments in a video game is like when she's just like driving the van. Like, I don't even remember the context of it. It's early in the game, right? Where she's driving the van and it's just like this crazy, like over the top driving, and you're just like screaming at her. And she's just like, I am saving you. Shut the fuck up. Like, I am, you are alive because I am doing this. Shut up. And I'm like, yes, you're right. He's dumb. I love that he's dumb, but you have to tell him. He has to know that he, like, I love that Nero is like kind of a himbo, but he needs to be told, like, just like put in his place. He's got that, you know, purposely that youthful teen energy, even though he's older in this game than he was in four, but he's still like the youngin like you know he was he doesn't have a grown-up brain yet that man is not 25 years old no he just got you know he just took over dante's business he doesn't know how to run it yet that's why nico's there he's figuring it out you know they got their mobile kind of like uber eats version of the devil may cry business in this game (laughs) like hey we'll come we'll just come to you you know it's cool yeah it's Uh, true (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, so like uh, Itsuno wanted three different playing characters. Uh, and he was worried about uh, some things with that. I mentioned before the, the Devil Bringer. It being a disposable resource in this game where, you know, you're equipping all these different arms and they each have their own special abilities and they each have a secondary mode where if you use it, it just breaks. <clears throat> and, you, you know, you can equip a loadout of them and you can save multiple loadouts. And he was afraid that that would, you know, sort of turn off fans of Devil May Cry 4 because, you know, he plays completely different in that, where he just pretty much just has a sword and a gun. Um, but he wanted to give players choice, where he kind of envisioned it as like an RPG party, where it's like, okay, when you're selecting your arms, it's almost like selecting which party member you're going to bring into the fight. And he wanted players to think strategically about what they think they might need, or even just the stuff that they like to use, and like finding unique combinations of, of arm abilities, and which, you know, why you can have different loadouts of like, oh, this is my offensive loadout or this is my more defensive arm stuff like that uh, and you mentioned being a fan of those uh i like them too it took some getting used to i guess as an existing fan to nero yeah. like okay i i cannot tell you the number of times that i hit the the wrong button and i broke his arm before i even got the use and i was like oh that's the breaky ability i wanted the normal <laughs> one and now i just wasted this arm that i spent orbs on <laughs> but yeah uh but, you know, I, I think it was a fun addition overall. Uh, v, of course, being the strangest character in the bunch because you don't attack with him directly. He yeah. has these three familiars that he summons, and you're pretty much just sending them out to do the bulk of the work. Yeah, because and... you have, like, the panther that's, like, the aggro, and then you have, like, the... I think it's a raven. It's some kind of bird. Yeah, the, the, the wise-cracking like, raven. That bird is fucking annoying too. V is so I V is my least favorite. He's so cringe, <laughs> and his animals are fucking annoying. Um, but the bird like will you can like use the bird to like dive bomb, and then there's like a monster, right? Is like the yeah. big, his like ultimate one. Just this weird humongous looking thing. It's yeah, not... it's just like a big boy. Yeah, he's just <laughs> like just... he's like the powerhouse of the team. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. Yeah, but they do all the fighting and you have to I, I like V's combat because I think it's interesting having to manage like the animal's health and also making sure that V doesn't actually get hit because his body is like not strong enough to take violence canonically in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a cool idea. V is my I like V. I mean, he's my least favorite to play as, but that's not necessarily a, a knock. It's just that he's stacked up against Nero and Dante. <laughs> so it's like, well, somebody's got to be last. So yeah. Yeah. And, and you play as him the least of the three, at least. You know, it's only a handful of stages that you really use him in. Um, but like, I appreciated the difference in them and that, you know, when you play as one, you know, you're not going to be doing the same thing as the other ones. Uh, I like surfing around on his weird cane cloud thing that he, would create just because he's too cool to walk um but yeah it, it's an interesting idea and I, I i'm ultimately glad that it exists um so this game uh so nico and v were actually the first characters that were designed for this game it's wanted to start within the new people first and when he moved on to dante he Dante was the one he was worried about because he didn't want to take anything away from Dante's existing arsenal because he 
figure that players get upset when you take things away from them. So he decided to just add to Dante's arsenal. So in this game, he wanted to emphasize player choice again in the way he did with Nero. But with Dante, he gave him 12 weapons that you could just cycle through on the fly. In addition to the four combat styles that he's had since Devil May Cry 3. So in this game, you're cycling between different swords. He's got his nunchucks. He's got his, um, the like Cerberus gauntlets that he's had in three. As well Does as all these. He also have arms. a motorcycle that he just like throws at people. Yeah, kind of, which is a fun callback to the opening cutscene in Devil May Cry One, where Trish threw a motorcycle at him. <laughs> so now he is a uh, he is throwing motorcycles at everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did think the part where he just like got a motorcycle using it as a weapon. I was like, all right, that was pretty sick. That's pretty yeah. good. I, I, I don't know how to ride a motorcycle, but I would ask it at the motorcycle class how to do that. I would show them a clip of that and say, like, hey, teach me how to do this. This is what you do here, right? <laughs> why else would people buy these if you didn't want to do this? <laughs> uh, that's why they say they're dangerous, right? Because their people are killing each other with motorcycles. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, like Dante just designed the idea of, again, giving players a choice and uh, having to think strategically, in this case, just cycling through all the different weapons and figuring out their own uh, combinations that they would want to want to use in battle. Uh, Trish and Lady, Dante's, you know, partners, not playable in this game. Uh, the last time that they were, were in the special edition of Devil May Cry 4, and apparently the reason for that was simply that it's it's you know said you know they had their this this game was focusing on the the three new leads or the three leads plus the one new guy and that he said that trish and lady had their time in the spotlight and dmc4 um they're in this game but they're not playable but yeah lady i think it's lady is like naked in the back of the car for a lot of it just like yeah, chilling both... on the floor <laughs> They're both naked <laughs> at different points in the game. <laughs> like, I think it's like when you first meet Lady in the game, she like, I don't remember what happens, but she like gets injured or whatever. And is like unconscious, like naked in the back of like Nico's van. And she just has her like on a bench, like wrapped in some plastic or something. And it's just like, I love that Nico's character. She's just like, yeah, this is fine. I took care of the situation by leaving this injured naked woman just there while I drive around like a maniac. <laughs> to be fair, it's better than Trish because she was naked and Dante left her laying in a street. <laughs> just, mm, true. just put a blanket on her and was like, eh, good enough. <laughs> v, can you watch her? <laughs> I got like, so at least, you know, at least the lady got to sit on a nice seat instead of laying naked on pavement. <laughs> Leave it uh, to Dante to do the bare fucking minimum. God. I found a quote from Mitsuna uh, when he was being interviewed by Eurogamer in 2018 about Lady and Trish, where he said, in addition to what I already said about why Trish and Lady aren't playable, he said, quote, I needed more money. The main point that I wanted to focus was the fall and rise of the three characters, and all my money was poured into that. So, there you go. Pay the Fair man. And you'll, get, you'll get Trish and Lady. Uh, the team... Uh, the DMC5 team visited London uh, for references on designing Red Grave City, where the game takes place. Uh, it's funny because like, when you look at the game, it's one of the many sort of like subtle inspirations that this game takes from DMC, because as we mentioned in that episode, Itsuno 
was a big fan of Ninja Theory's Devil May Cry fan. Like he said, it's arguably his favorite DMC game. And, you know, he oversaw some of the production of it. But he took a lot of influence from that. And you can see, like, because, you know, that game is also, because Ninja Theory's a British studio, has a very English sort of vibe to the way the world is designed. And Devil May Cry 5 definitely adds in a lot of that. And then hearing that they visited London and, uh, you know, took a lot of reference shots and apparently worked with Capcom Europe, who was really essential to making sure that the game didn't feel too touristy. Like they pointed them in directions like, hey, don't just go to the big spots that everybody knows. Like, here's some other locations that are, you know, a little more off the beaten path that locals know about to make it feel a little bit more authentic and not just weird, like high school field trip to London <laughs> kind of game, uh-huh. uh, which is pretty neat. And the technology, like we mentioned before, it's been, you know, the RE engine. This game also used a lot of really cool high tech facial scan technology to do sort of digital double technique for the actors more or less like they kind of look themselves but they're also heavily designed to still look like dante miro and and the like um and asuna was worried that the japanese audience would actually reject this style because i didn't realize this till we did this series but apparently devil may cry or devil may cry as a series is far more popular in the west than it is in japan uh it's still pretty big in japan but it seems like i guess we like it a little bit more and we're also, at least according to Itsuno, a little more open to changing things up. He said that one of his objectives was to, or he was worried that Japanese fans would reject the realistic look of the game because they would prefer the more anime-inspired art style. So that was something he was constantly worried about and said it kind of even affected his confidence a little bit designing the game until he revealed it and the reception was pretty high. And he's like, okay, I guess maybe I am doing the right thing. But he's like, I think I'm alienating maybe our sort of home audience. Uh, one of the things that did prove to be alienating, though, was the reveal that the game would feature microtransactions where players could spend real money to buy orbs, either the gold orbs, which revive you when you get a game over, so you don't have to start the stage over again. You can just start right where you died, as well as the red orbs, which is the general currency in the game. Uh, I'd forgotten that this was even a thing until I was yeah. looking this up because I never used it because I'm not really a big microtransaction guy anyway. Uh, did you use them at all, or did you? Did that strike I'm you as odd? I don't anyway? even know if I like really registered that they were a thing. Yeah, I honestly, <laughs> I don't remember. I, like playing it now, I don't think the game really puts them in your face that much or at all or I mean it does to a degree but I didn't notice it even when I was replaying some levels for this so I don't know if that's something that was patched or because I'm trying to remember I can't really remember at launch I was like say do I remember them prompting me like hey you could you could spend a dollar and you, you just get right back into it you know or you can maybe buy this upgrade now but of course like anything microtransactions this kind of split the fan base and became a big talking point even though at least it's you know his reasoning was that Pretty much he just wanted players to have as many options as possible where he's like, you know, not everyone has time to quote unquote get good <laughs> at the game. So if you just want to like fast track and just buy some orbs and, you know, stock up on as many retries as you want, then, you know, that option's available to you. And, you know, he said that he balanced the game to account for that. And, you know, like I'm kind of on the fence where it's like, I can see why people are a little icky about it, but compared to other 
implementations of a microtransaction, this is not that egregious to me because it's you know, once a single player game. And also it, I, I get where he's coming from of like, I don't feel like, you know, playing to earn all these orbs and, and you can, and you can earn an abundance of orbs. It's not like the game's designed to like force you to get it. Like it's not that hard and there's different difficulties in the game too. So it was one where I was like, okay, that's a little weird, but I've seen way, way worse than this. So I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably not great. And like, it does, it's a little weird to me to like do that in a single player game. It does feel kind of like, I don't know, obviously cash grabby. Of but course. yeah, there are obviously also way worse examples of developers using this. So yeah, it feels easier to ignore. I guess. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, um, unless you're just really not having a great time and you're losing. But, you know, I would imagine at that point you probably would either drop the difficulty or maybe just not play. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other thing, too, is there are difficulty options. Yeah. So, like, you don't even really have to, like, get that good at the game. You could just, if it's not, like, if you're not super into that aspect of it, you could just drop the difficulty. Yeah, you did that. That's what we should have gone on Reddit. Just like you should have said, like, hey, it's what's the I don't know what the the shorthand for drop the difficulty is. I need something like get good. It would just be like make make it easier then, or yeah, I don't just, know. Just spare your sanity. Spare your sanity. That's a, we, let's go with that. Hey, spare the sand. It's the short. It's the cool kid shorthand. Spare the sand, man. <laughs> you got to throw man at the make it sound yeah, like the kids do <laughs> uh so this game is revealed at e3 2018 right alongside the resident evil remake apparently had been planned to be revealed the year prior but capcom held on to it specifically so that they can kind of do that one-two punch of like hey here's two things that you guys are really want from us surprise uh kind of reminds me of the e3 that sony did when kingdom hearts 3 and final fantasy 15 were revealed back to back <laughs> Yeah. A magical time in all of our lives. I would <laughs> and, you know, the game would eventually come out in uh, February or March, I should say, 2018. And we should actually, I'll probably save this for the story discussion. I'll touch on the Virgil stuff, which if you haven't played this game, I mean, if you haven't played this game, I probably wouldn't be listening to this. But, <laughs> you know, the, the big spoiler course and the big twist in this game is the the return of virgil or i guess you tie the introduction of virgil i kind of i knew of virgil okay so we like you... were it yeah like i like you know i like knew the basic dmc story so i was like okay like i i know who dante and virgil are i knew less about nero honestly i was like who i like had to google him i was like wait who is this young man <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There's like, like, almost like a, a grandma. Who's, who's this young man? Truly, <laughs> I was like, who? I was like, I know the old, the old boys. Who is this one? Right. Well, he's the according to the title card that appears when he shows up. He is the alpha and the omega. Yeah, that uh, shockingly is not actually that helpful. <laughs> That's what I put on my business cards. <laughs> Let's everybody know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly uh, what you do. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, this game came out in March. Uh, we eventually got a special edition uh, a few years later for 
current gen consoles that added a bunch of modes like uh, Turbo Mode, the Legendary Dark Knight difficulty, all the DLC that came out, including Bloody Palace, because you have to have Bloody Palace if it's a Double Cry game, and eventually added Virgil, or Virgil as a playable character himself, which you could also just purchase them separately for like five bucks, which I actually did to replay a bit of because I didn't do it at the time. So I was like, oh, I never actually used Virgil. So I could probably do that now. Uh, and he's a lot of fun, which he usually is in all the games that they decide to make him playable in, even the Ninja Theory stuff. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the uh, narrative real quick. First off, before I even say anything, Ty, did you like this game's story? Because I have said in previous episodes that I love Devil May Cry's characters more than I care about what they're actually doing in the games. Not that I think it's bad. I'm just kind of different. I just like hanging out with Dante and his his crew. I don't really remember what the story is. It's like, I know there's the big blood tree that's yep. growing. And I know you go into said blood tree. And there's like a mean demon man who beats <laughs> Nero's ass repeatedly. And yeah. that's the, those are the main plot points I remember. Yeah, you pretty much got it. Uh, you know, this game opens with Dante and Lady and Triss getting their asses handed to them by Urizen, who is this big bad demon king that you've never heard of up to this point. Uh, but yeah, he's just some guy, right? Like he just shows up and is just some mean guy. Yeah, and I remember at the time thinking, like, who's this guy? You're like, I guess he's pretty tough because he's you know, giving Dante to business, and that's not something you really ever see. Uh, and that was apparently, like, an intentional red herring on the part of it, you know, because at the time, I think some people were rejecting the idea of, like, you know, like, who's this new guy? How can he beat Dante when nobody else can? And he said intentionally he did that because, of course, Urizen would tie into Virgil's return. And since he had that from the start, he said he wanted to, like, he knew people wouldn't buy it and that he wanted people to you know, be upset that a total unknown would be taking out their favorites that easily. Uh, so I guess, you know, I don't know if he just did it just to <laughs> piss people off and and kind of reward that later by bringing back someone that everybody really likes. But yeah, it, 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 I, you know, intentional. It's one of those things where, like as a wrestling fan, at least you always got to be like, let it play out. Wait, see. Yeah, you're like, you got to see the story. You got to see the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I just thought yeah. it was funny. I was like, who the fuck is this man? I was like, I just assumed it was because I didn't know like lore stuff from the fourth one or whatever. I was like, okay, there's just this guy. And then the like context clues, they're like, oh, nobody knows who this is. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> okay. He's it's... just some guy. He doesn't even talk either. He just kind of like grunts, like, you know, they're throwing everything they got at him. And he's just like, Ugh. he just kind of waves a hand and they're flying against the wall. You're like, Okay, they're really selling this guy as like the tough guy here, I guess. Um, but yeah, they all get beat up and captured with the exception of Nero and V. And you know, V as a character, like he is pretty much the client for Dante and Nero. He goes to them saying, like, hey, you know, I need you guys to uh deal with this uh Urizen guy and this tree, which is called the and I'm gonna mispronounce the hell out of it, the Quick Quilloth? Quick Quilloth? I think blood tree. blood tree weird kind of like uh sea anemone esque tree that is just towering over red grave city 
Uh, and you know, it's up to Nero to stop it. So as the demons are, I think are it's in, like it's like sucking people up too, isn't it? Isn't it like eating people? There's like that opening cutscene where like it's like stabbing people, or like roots are coming out of the ground. And yeah, the roots are people. mean. The roots are like in the game a mechanic, but also they're just mean. They are mean roots. They are not like they're not the roots that I like, which has quest love and bad roots. Uh, yeah. Also, the opening cutscenes of this game absolutely fantastic, or, or at least the. I should probably say the actual title sequence because the opening cutscene is like the big fight, but like the title sequence, I think you alluded to earlier with uh, when Nico is driving the van and they there's like all the demons and the, the song kicks in, which I love that song that plays and they do the slow motion like Nero jumps out and he's fighting them as Nico kind of flips the van and it's like tumbling around and Nero's flying around the van as it's in midair tumbling, just like stabbing and shooting guys. And you get the, the credits kind of floating across. Very, again, reminiscent of the opening of DMC Devil May Cry, where Dante's in his trailer naked <laughs> putting his clothes on. Uh, like, same style there. So, like I said, there's a lot of DMC fingerprints in this game. Um, but yeah, and pretty much the whole mission of this game is that they have to stop this Irizen guy. You know, eventually they, you mentioned before, they find Lady and Trish who were transformed into demons. And when they're beaten, they kind of like pop out of these pods where they're just kind of naked, wet messes of And traumatized, yeah. And and then their friends take bad care of them. (laughs) Which I, that's, it's probably something they're both used to at this point working with Dante because of how carefree and Dante he is. Nero should probably be a bit better though. <laughs> He's got he actually has yeah. like a really sweet girlfriend, uh Kyrie, who we saw in Don't Make Great Forward. She's not in this game. We only get like bits when he's calling her on the phone, but she never actually shows up in this uh it's always Which honestly to- for the better, because all the only woman who's not having a bad time in this game is Nico. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I guess Kyrie. I wonder what she's doing during all this. Like, does she? Yeah, live in this I think it's better. She's just chilling. She's like not having to deal with all this other shit. Because yeah. Nico is the only one who's like having an okay time. She like chilling at home watching Netflix and then like in her sweatpants and occasionally calling up Nero to be like, "Hey, what's, what's you know checking in? What's going on over there? Are you good?" Truly. So yeah, I would like to. There needs to be a special edition of this game from her perspective. Like, what was she doing this entire time? <laughs> just uh, like a gone home adventure game where she's like making popcorn oh i oh i would like to see it you know try to make a gone home style game <laughs> and somehow still have like stylish ratings of like yeah you walked across this room s rank you did it yeah really and then cool. on the tv there's like news of like nero and like nico just like driving by in the van with like demons and shit oh you get like the real time shot of that intro where it's like you know, it's not slowed down. You just see them flying super fast. And you're like, I want to see what that looks like without the slow-mo. You're like, holy crap, what what was that? Because <laughs> they had those army guys in the beginning, which mm-hmm. I wish we got more of this in Devil May Cry. You don't get a lot of normal society witnessing or reacting to the things Dante and like Nero do. But like in the beginning of this game, you know, there's like the army fighting back the demons. And then the one guy almost dies until Nero shows up. And he's like, kid, you're going to get yourself killed. And, you know, he starts doing really cool demon slayer stuff. And the guy's just sitting there like just dumbfounded as Nico's like, yeah, that's, that's my boy. He, you don't want to mess with him. Uh, I would also like 
more of that stuff like just people being like what the who is this guy why is he so cool looking why does he have a sword who walks around with a sword in normal society <laughs> yeah they really don't like do any of the world building regarding like do people know there are demons do people know there are guys with big swords who fight the demons does it matter is it a secret like yeah and it is a secret and it's something i think dmc explored the best of like these two worlds existing in parallel but they see each other and only the people that know know about it um i will say this is the first time i think in the proper series where um like the 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 public at large has been exposed to the demons to this degree because usually it's more isolated incidents where no one's really around yeah, because um, this is a whole major metropolitan city has a like blood this is tree. on the news. <laughs> yeah, like, people they're like news things being like, "What the? There's a tree that's just killing people. What the hell?" Uh, so yeah, at least this game kind of creeps towards that. Um, but yeah, the bulk of this game is like switching between Nero and V as we're making our way, you know, going our separate ways, uh, trying to find a way to deal with Irizin and the tree. Eventually, Nero uh, finds Dante who then becomes playable and he goes off in his own way. Um, you know, along the way they're fighting bosses and stuff. I think the only really uh, pivotal point is when Trish is rescued and she's laying naked in the street and Dante leaves her there <laughs> and her and V start talking and V starts to reveal his true nature to her saying like, yeah, you know, that there was a guy named Virgil who was, you know, Dante's brother who, after suffering so many defeats, his body started to break down. And in response, he took the Yamato, which is Virgil's sword, his katana, uh, stabbed himself with it and basically separated him, his soul. He separated his demon half from his human half and that the demon half is Urizen and that V is the human half. <clears throat> and But his body is starting to break down from... I guess being separated too long, so he's trying to find a way to get back to Urizen. Which, when this game's announced, you know, a lot of people, I mean, for obvious reasons, you see a new character named V, and you're just like, so that's Virgil related, right? <laughs> and it's Suno going out of the way to be like, oh, I don't know, maybe, you know, who can say? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Uh, so I like that they don't really take too much time before they get to that. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Especially because, like, in the beginning, Nero gets his arm broken off uh, or cut off, I should say. You're like, oh yeah, that's clearly Virgil. Come on. Um, so they, I don't even think they try to go out of their way to hide it. But you know, eventually, it's the point where Dante runs into Urizen and battles him, beats him twice, actually. And but before he can finish him off, V shows up. And re-merges with him to resurrect, I guess. I don't even think that's the right term, but to reform Virgil, who is now not dying, just pretty much back to full power. Uh, and a really cool cutscene, actually. And you know, him and Dante have a bit of a skirmish, but Virgil allows him to live because Dante's beat up and he doesn't want to beat him when he's weakened. Because he because Dante's care or Virgil's character is that, yeah, he's like uh, a jerk but he's like an honorable jerk where he's like you know it doesn't mean anything if i beat you like this so go rest up and then we'll fight we'll settle this problem that we have uh you know good guy virgil and it's at this point also that we learn what was pretty much 
confirmed lightly in Devil May Cry 4 that Virgil is Nero's father. Uh, we don't get much other than that, which I still would like to know, like, how? Like, what What did that look yeah, like? like? Who's his mom? Yeah, the closest you get is the uh, special edition of Devil May Cry 4, which added a Virgil uh, scenario where he visits the city that 4 takes place in, like, well before the events of MC4. Um, so it's implied, like, okay, I guess sometime during this time he hooked up with someone <laughs> and, and got busy and then, you know, in, in, in realistic Virgil fashion, just got out of Dodge. Just dipped. Yeah, it's like, hey, thanks, you know, wham, bam, see you later. Because, uh, you know, this is a surprise to him when he finds out later, because Dante goes to fight him. Doesn't want Nero to fight him because he doesn't want him to kill his own father. Because he's like, which is pretty cool for Dante. He's like, hey, you know, I know I'm like full of attitude and I like to joke around, but actually it'd be pretty messed up if he killed your dad. <laughs> so, you, you know, this is between me and him. We have obviously a long, a lifelong rivalry. Uh, so we get probably the best series of cutscenes in the game where Dante and Virgil meet up on the the tree and they have their big showdown and then Nero with the advice of Kyrie is like yeah you probably shouldn't let your uncle and your dad murder each other you know because that's that's really not good for anyone so you know Nero intervenes and unlocks his true demon form for the first time thanks to uh, I guess emotion he regrows his arm and everything I don't I guess it's just he's so overwhelmed that like I have feelings about having a dad yeah, I mean, this is where the game gets like maybe the most anime, right? <laughs> so like, he's like, yeah, I just I love my family so much. Uh, the dad that I didn't know I had that I just met, and uh, I guess the guy that I didn't realize was my uncle this whole time that I've been hanging out with for years. <laughs> uh, don't want you guys to kill yourself, so I'm just gonna full on lizard mode, grow an arm back. Uh, and you know you get as a you do. yeah, as you do, and you know Dante or Nero beats Virgil. And they pretty much decide to have a truce at this point because, you know, like, okay, we really do need to stop this tree because it's demon and human worlds together and that's an issue. So Dante and Virgil decide that they're going to go into the underworld and close it from there, which would be a one-way trip for them. And they decide to leave Virgil behind. They're like, okay, you can, you're capable of handling things in this world. So like, because Virgil's the only one that can close it with his sword and Dante's going with them to keep an eye on it. So they split off. Uh, Nero's not happy about any of this, but he doesn't really get a say in the matter. And they do just that, where you know, they close the hole and the tree collapses and all is right with the world again. You know, did you feel anything at all during this? Because uh... one of the coolest things about Devil May Cry is anytime Dante and Virgil fight, which there aren't a lot of them, like this is really the first time it's happened since three, because Virgil's not in four. Uh, so like you know, what do you think of that relationship, or like at least from what you've seen of it, or that that rivalry, or even just Virgil as a character? It's like I feel like this is some of the like weaker part of the game for me because it's like I get that it's supposed to be like this long. They've had this like lifelong anime rivalry or whatever, but I just like at this point it kind of feels like they should have squashed the beef a little bit. And also, it's like, I don't know. 
I like I kind of wish it had been maybe a, a new big bad because it's like, oh, well, it's Virgil. So it's like mostly fine because he's like your dad slash brother. So like you're not really going to like, you know, have to murder him or have him be this like destructive force. Uh, I don't know. This is the part where I was kind of like, all right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> like, the cutscenes are cool, but the story kind of lo- lost me here. It's sad you say that because I found a quote from an interview with uh, Itsuno where he said that he wanted players to cry at Mission 20, which is the last mission where a lot of this kind of goes down because uh, he thought it would be like a big emotional payoff that would resonate we have dashed it's suno's dreams he did not yeah, cry wow. <laughs> i mean like i don't know did you cry oh no <laughs> like i'm not gonna cry you know devils may cry marcus does not uh but i thought yeah, it was I mean, cool i was like oh this is awesome but it wasn't like yeah this emotional... it's not like it's not that touching i feel like I don't know, like, it's not that touching because Nero didn't even know that he was, like, connected to these people until, like, two minutes ago. Yeah, and I, I, I like the conversation he has with Kyrie before he charges in where she kind of puts his mind at ease saying, like, you know, like, resolving, like, you know, you, I know you just met these guys, but you know you can't kill each other, right? <laughs> and they're, they're your family. Uh, so it's like, okay, I kind of like a little bit of that, but, like, I mean, I like the scene more for just the fun of it, of like seeing Dante and Virgil go at it again for the first time since 2005, really at that point. DMC3 came out, so you're like, okay, this is fun to see like a modern version of this fight. Because uh, it's pretty much the, it's like the Goku Vegeta of Devil May Cry. But yeah, the actual emotional stuff, it's like, it, it, like, it's, it, like it, when you watch the scene, it's like, okay, this is like super anime melodrama stuff which it's like it's not like terrible but it's oh my god i'm not watching the well, last it's, just like, it's not that interesting to have the plot twist be that everybody is related <laughs> <laughs> i get it's not even a plot twist because you play dmc4 and you're like he he's related to them right like they planted that seed yeah. very clearly back then so this was more just confirmation of what a lot of fans had already pretty much deduced yeah <laughs> yeah so... So it's it's more just like, okay, it's nice that we can finally say with certainty that Nero is what we always thought he was. Um, but yeah, and because well, Asuna also said that this game is supposed to be the, the Sons of Sparta saga, which would suggest that we're not supposed to see, at the very least, I guess, Dante and Virgil, but it also sound like Nero as well, because this game ends with Dante and Nero, or Dante and Virgil trapped in the underworld and we get a very fun sort of epilogue scene where you see them sparring against each other and seemingly putting aside their like beef finally because it's more friendly sparring and not we're trying to murder each other sparring and they seem like pretty like it feels like just like a rivalry like it's the least antagonistic they've ever been each other and then you know demons show up and they're killing demons together we get jackpot line which you gotta have in a devil may cry game and then we just get nero seemingly uh, i guess adopting devil may cry business entirely even though we also get a scene i guess weeks later where trish and lady are at the the home office dante sits and there's like are you ever gonna come back what are we 
what do we do with this place? And, and Morrison, who is a, we haven't talked about Morrison. He's like a minor character that I believe was introduced more in the animated series, which have you ever seen the, the old anime series? Like 2000s? I didn't even know there was an animated series. Yeah, it was like 2000. Man, was it before DMC3? It was definitely in the 2000s, but it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, he's in that show. He's more like, he's kind of like an information guy that would give Dante jobs, basically. Um, this is the first video game that he was in, from what I remember. But he pretty much just says like, yeah, you know, I got the deed to this place because it's not like Dante knew ahead of time something would happen and hooked them up saying like, yeah, he doesn't really trust Lady or Trish to have it. So it's his now. Uh, but yeah, as far as we know, for now, Dante and Virgil are out of the picture. I don't really believe for a second that if Devil May Cry 6 happens that they don't update us on like, are they still there? Are they not going to come back at all? Just because they just feel like they're too popular to get rid of for good. And we also haven't gotten that that all Virgil game that a lot of people really want. And it's, you know, has said in the past that he'd be interested in making. So it's like, that has to happen at some point, right? Probably will never happen but it would be yeah nice. i don't i i truly have no idea like what the future of dmc looks like yeah i mean i would imagine it's pretty high because this game sold really well out of the gate like it sold uh reportedly two million copies in the first two weeks so that'd be a million a week which that ain't nothing yeah and it was the second best steam launch for a capcom game ever behind monster hunter world uh won best won a bunch of awards including best action game at the game awards in 2019 like it it was it was a hit pretty much across the board it seems like so it has you know like like it's you know set out to in the beginning like prove that these style of games could still have a place and still uh attractive to a generation of players that maybe aren't as familiar with these games in this age of like open world stuff um though even he said that it as happy as he was with it, he didn't feel like it was a home... <laughs> Excuse me. He said he didn't feel like it was a home run entirely, because he set out with this game because he was 47, I believe it came out, and there was a, a Japanese documentary series on YouTube called uh, oh, Arca... Ooh, Archipal? I think I'm pronouncing that right? Where, you know, he was saying that he doesn't know how many games he has left in him because he's getting up there, so... He wanted Devil May Cry 5, this, like, an undisputed home run. Like, I, I did it. And he seemed happy with it, but in his opinion, he's like, I, he said, I felt like I hit first, like, second or third base with this. <laughs> Maybe not home run. I'm like, I love this game, but, I, you know, I, every creator, is, you know, not hates their own work, but. They're probably their own harshest critics, so. though. Yeah. He even said some stuff where he felt like, Dante didn't show up soon enough in hindsight. He's like, oh, I think we stretched out the part before you get the play. It's a little long. Like, he, he's, he said stuff like that, you know, criticizing himself. But in turn, he seemed pretty happy. He was most surprised that V was as well liked. As much as you and I maybe were like lukewarm on him, apparently enough of the fan base liked him in a way that surprised even him. Ooh. Who? <laughs> the, the v- Come forward. The- Announce yourself. <laughs> The V heads. Haven't you seen them? They're out there. I They're... haven't. That's why I'm confused. <laughs> there are dozens of them. <laughs> dozens. Actually, let us know if you if you really like V, or not even if you like V, if I want to meet someone that enjoyed playing as V more than Dante and Nero. 
Because that would be the thing I would have the hardest time believing. I can see you just liking him, but you're like, nah, man. Honestly, I would be more surprised by you just like liking him as a character. <laughs> and it's like, does it make it, does he even, is he cooler knowing that he's just like half of Virgil? So he's like, he's technically, or not even technically, he's literally a watered down version of a character that people like a lot more. That's probably worse. He's like diet Virgil, essentially. Yeah. But He's like diet goth Virgil. New, new Virgil, new Coke. Uh, so yeah, I, I want to know. I, I feel like like V, when I remember playing him at the time before the twist, thinking like, I feel like we're never going to see this character again after this. I just have this vibe that like he's going to be like an experiment and we'll never see him again. And then, you know, the game goes where it goes. You're like, oh, okay, we won't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if they want to do this idea again for Devil May Cry 6 of three playable characters, have one of them straight up just Virgil. I'll, I'll take that. That would be fun. Uh, but yeah, this game, uh, at least for Game Informer, we gave it an 8.5 out of 10, which is a good score. Uh, it's sitting at an 88 on Metacritic and 89 for the special edition. So, you know, was well received across the board. And yeah, we, outside of some post launch DLC like cosmetics and like I mentioned, Virgil and the special edition stuff, that has pretty much been it for the Devil May Cry series. And granted, it still hasn't been that long. It's been three years since this came out. Uh, but we still haven't gotten any sort of inkling about if we're getting a DMC6 or what the future for this series looks like. Uh, Ty, you said you're not interested in going back, but are you interested in a DMC6 or just a new DMC game? I think I would be more interested in them like doing something new with it. Like if it could still be like Devil May Cry or whatever, but I would like to see them like stick to the whole, at least for like one game, like stick to the fact that like, yeah, like Dante and Virgil are like doing their whatever in the underworld. So like, let's focus on like, I don't know. You could do the Lish, the, the Lish. you could do the Trish and Lady thing. You could like keep following Nero and ne and Nico. God, their names are similar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of potential to, like play with stuff. So like, I'd be okay with like if there was like a you you do. I said I wanted Devil May Cry to be like a shopkeeping sim with Nico, and honestly, Ooh. I would play it like fifty fifty management tycoon running the business, and then also slaying the demons. That's what I want. It's like, it's so like you're like lighter, but yeah. Cry. So you're like making all the cool guns and swords and and, and arms for like Nero yeah. and, and Lady. I feel like it'd be like then... the thing of like like Nero goes out and fights and like brings back shit and he's like, okay, here, Nico, and then she makes stuff for him and then he goes out and does it again. And then also you have to like do the business and like manage the books. Do you get to drive yeah. the van? I would think so travel to locations like oh yeah. i heard there's some there's some stuff popping up here we heard some, there's some demons here hello <laughs> yeah, there's some good materials here i need to make this like weird gauntlet <laughs> yeah 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 that'd be cool the dmc series isn't really like it doesn't have any spinoffs like you know the the ninja theory reboot is the closest thing to it but that's still like just a traditional tell me cry game uh which i'd be curious what you would think of that high just in the interest of like someone doing something new with that series i mean yes it is still in that mold but it does do a lot of stuff that the main series does not do especially with platform 
the city trying to kill you and moving around and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I would be down for either. I would still be down for a sequel to that game because it ends on a little bit of a cliff. Not, yeah, I guess kind of a cliffhanger, or at least it opens up like they left room for a sequel. And I and I like Ninja Theory in general, so whenever they decide to get Hellblade two out the door, <laughs> um, yeah, I I would actually be cool to see them get another shot at DMC. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm confident we'll get a DMC six because of how well this game did. It seems like it did better out the gate than DMC four and, and Ninja Theory's game did. So, and also because Capcom, I feel like Capcom can afford. I don't even know if they'd even taking a chance at this point, but they could afford to take a chance because they they've been on like a hot streak. <laughs> so it, it it'd be like, oh, why not do another Devil May Cry game? As long as the people involved want to make one, like it it will probably do fine. And as seemingly do no wrong right now uh so yeah i hope we do get it one day but you know to kind of wind this whole series down because now we're at the end of season six you know devil may cry one of the most influential series in video game history pretty much not even pretty much is the game that puts stylish action on the map uh you know without it we wouldn't have bayonetta (laughs) yeah Uh, true you know and you know Hideki Kamiya, the original creator of Devil May Cry, you know, getting to take what he did there and apply it to a new IP. And, you know, it, it would be fun to talk about Bayonetta one day. Uh, but, you know, games like God of War, the 3D Ninja Gaiden, uh, even stuff like, like Neo, uh, I feel like they all owe pretty much their existence in some capacity or another to Devil May Cry. Uh, and, yeah, if you're you're an action fan and you have somehow not played any of these games they're worth going back to or at least all of them except for the second one avoid that one like the plague as we talked about in that episode um but you know most of them are they've all been remastered or hd'd up or have special editions that are out there that you can play so it's a pretty accessible series to get into and yeah i'm excited to see what the future is and i hope that this isn't the end i have i doubt that it is but you know, if it is for whatever reason, they went out on a pretty high note. Devil May Cry 5. Uh, so yeah, that wraps things up here. Uh, Ty, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, anything you want to plug that you're working on or that Uppercut has going on? Uh, well, you can just follow Uppercut over at Uppercut Crit, and you can follow me uh, on Twitter at A Wolfkeeper. Awesome. And you can follow me on Twitter at Market. Stewart 7. Uh, that's number 7. And yeah, with this, this will be the uh, not only just the conclusion of the Devil May Cry season, but this will actually be the end for now of video gameography as a whole. I'm going to be putting the podcast on the shelf for a bit, just again because of uh, you know the layoffs that happened. You know, losing John, my co-host, uh, mid-season was rough. So just a lot of restructuring. If you listen to the GI show, uh, Alex Van Aken talked about there, uh, pretty much the same attitude with this, where at least for the time being, it's going to take a break. You know, maybe we'll come back to it one day, maybe not. Otherwise, you know, we're going to come up with, you know, some new ideas to maybe fill its place. But want to thank everybody for listening. You guys have been awesome. Our video gameography channel on the Game Informer Discord, you guys have been fantastic with, you know, your comments and feedback you know you guys kept this going 
And, you know, want to thank John Carson, my old co-host, for everything he brought to the show, as well as the original host of this podcast, my co-host, uh, Ben Reeves, who, you know, this was his idea and this was his baby. And he was gracious enough to invite me on to uh, ride alongside him. And so, you know, shout out to him. He's doing awesome stuff at Firaxis now. And yeah, let us know what you think. And, you know, if you have any ideas of what to do in the future, hit us up. But yes, I didn't have like a like a sign off phrase for like the end of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I, I like we could end with like a I don't Dante doesn't have a sign off or I guess it'd be jackpot. That seems weird to say in this. I don't know. But thanks for listening, guys. As Ty is laughing at my attempt to sign off on this podcast. <laughs> and, you know, appreciate all you guys. I'll see you around. Be sure to check out GameInformer.com, the Game Informer show, our Twitch streams. You can find me there. Super Replay coming back with Metal Gear Rising. And until, uh, you know, next time, I'll see you when I see you. And enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Adios. Bye. Bye.